All right. Welcome in to a 2024 edition of the Sports Huddle on SEMO ESPN Radio, 1220 AM, 93.5 FM, and online at Eric Sean and the Missouri Sports Hall of Famer Jess Bolin inviting you to join us right here in the huddle. Here is our EBOMD huddle hotline number. It is 573-334-1220. 573-334-1220, the huddle hotline powered by EBOMD, the Monday Marty Party, pushed back to a Tuesday because of the holiday. Marty Michau, the Love Shack, will join us a little bit later on in the show. Jess Bolin in the house. Long weekend. How's everything? Oh, everything's fine. Um, well, I don't want to say everything's fine. You know, my garbage disposal at the house blew up. Oh, what has happened? And it's one of those high-dollar ones, you know, that three-quarter horse that probably... I don't know, three or four hundred dollars by now, because it was expensive back when I put it in. A three-quarter so. horse? Did did the horse throw a shoe? <laughs> uh, most garbage disposals are one-third horse or half horse, but I got the you got the big, utility you, one. You, you know, got the big boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the big boy blew the bottom out of it, <laughs> so that's gonna be a little. Repair. So what happens? I mean, does it, Underneath the garbage disposal, is there chaos? Is there leakage? I mean, what's no? There's not much leakage. What happens? I had a half a half a uh, can of uh, sink water, and so that came all out on the floor on the kitchen. You know, the, my where my kitchen's at. Right, I, it's pretty good size, at least as lengthwise. It was from one end to the other, so there I am with a sponge mop. I don't like mops. I don't, I don't like housework. You don't like mops. <laughs> but anyway, it's a minor deal. So I had a good weekend and happy new year. I got a happy new year. I don't know what you call it. Little app, you know, deal from your wife. And do um, you have a good New Year's? Not bad. New Year's I was, really a day. The New Year's Day is just for me and most guys, I guess, is... Lay around, snack, pig out, and watch football. That's just it. We had to wait a long time for yeah. football. I wasn't interested in Liberty versus Oregon. I knew Oregon was going to boat yeah, race that Liberty. Was a blowout. Yeah. And then we finally get to the big games, and these are for all the marbles because the winners of the two semifinals last night will play for the national championship, and Alabama falls to Michigan and I gotta I gotta be honest going into the fourth quarter I had told Don Sean this game is over Michigan cannot move the football against Alabama they just can't move the football second half Michigan's offense it looked like I was watching Iowa play yeah great defense can't move the ball and then all of the sudden Milrow fumbles and it ignites Michigan and the final play of the game in overtime, and Alabama has to. They've got to score. I mean, it's fourth and goal from the three-yard line. That was a poor play call, didn't you think? I I, 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 I told Don Sean, they're going to run it with Milrow. I just knew they were oh, going to run the football. I don't like that call. He ran into his, his right tackle. Do you like the call, though? 
up the middle with three yards away? I would have. I would have rollout. I would have had an RPO, a run pass option. That's right. That's what you do there, and that way you got at least you got a guy in the, on the move, and you got wide receivers hard to cover, and maybe if running back if it opens up, the guy can run in. But to just take a last play for the season for you to just run into the middle, trying to go through tackles and. I just didn't like the call, but anyway, I don't care. I didn't care about Alabama winning anyway. Did you? I don't. I don't uh, care. I, told, I didn't care either way. I told you here on Friday. I'm rooting for Jim Harbaugh and Michigan to win the national championship. Well, so I don't I was, remember that. But I was rooting you. hard for Michigan. I'm. I'm tired of Alabama. I think a lot of people are. So, to see Saban walk off the field a loser. Yeah, I don't dislike Saban. I just I I don't like Alabama fans. I quit on him when he <laughs> I'm quit. Just sorry, on, remember when he went to NFL and he quit on the Dolphins when it, the Dolphins he was coaching. Right. Remember and he walked out. I think they had games left. Reti- resigned. I, that's it. That's and it for me. At the press conference, quite frankly, said I am not going back to college football. There were rumors. That he was yeah. he was leaving and going to coach in college, and he flat out said, "I'm not," and he did. Well, I, but it changed the fortunes it, of it the University of Alabama. I coached all my life. It feels like, and uh, you don't walk away from a team before the season's over. You may get fired; that's okay. But don't just walk away. I, I said that's it's it worked out me. good for Saban. It it's worked out good for college football. He's won six national championships at Alabama. I don't know where's it good for college football just because they won. How's that good for foot college football? I mean, somebody's going to win. So I don't think he did anything for college football that he went back. Well, you can make an argument. He's the greatest college football coach ever. You can. You can. I'll I think that's credit, good for college credit football. Credit where it's due. Why? Somebody's going to win that. <laughs> they gonna win, does, are they going to win seven like he's won? If he, he doesn't won? get college football coach, best coach of the last decade, somebody else will. If there's an award out there for that at field, somebody's going to get so it. So you're saying you're not allowed to change your <clears throat> mind. I've I've decided the NFL is not my cup of tea. Alabama's offering me a big contract. I and think walk I'm, away from your team before it's even over. I'm going to go back to college no. football. Well, let's be honest. He has his right to do that. You know, break a contract. Uh, I guess everybody does. I feel. See, I'm a believer of fulfilling, fulfilling your contract. If you got a contract with somebody, you fulfill it. And then if you want to negotiate up or down or out after the season's over, go ahead. I just... Um, I never was one of the kind that could walk away. Well, I think Jim Harbaugh is going to walk away, win or lose in the national championship game. He's going to certainly draw a lot of attention from the National Football League. He proved that he is an elite NFL coach. He took the 49ers to a Super Bowl. He has been great with quarterbacks. Uh, What did Colin Kaepernick do in his career when he wasn't coached by Jim Harbaugh? Nothing. Yeah. He is a an elite coach, and he's finally got Michigan on the doorstep of a national championship, something Bo Schembechler never did, despite all of his successful 
seasons at the University of Michigan, and he'll be taking on Michael Penix Jr. and the Washington Huskies. What a game that was! It looked yeah, like Washington was... had it had it in the bag, uh, and all of a sudden, here comes Texas and a pass to the end zone uh, to potentially win the game if and it's the coaching, caught. Coaching was right in that in last uh, ten minutes of the game, didn't you think? Yes, they were uh, they were down by nine, so it's a two score. He went to fourth down and he's right there within ten twelve yard line, but no, he kicked the field goal. And you know good and well, a lot of people say, what's that going to do for you, kick a field goal? Well, you give himself a chance that if he did recover an onside kick or, or got it back some way that a touchdown, then you go four downs, all of it. And because just, if you went for it on fourth down and didn't get the it, game is over. You, you, you lose. Sure. you got to kick the field goal. You gave yourself situation. a chance, yes. But I tell you what, that come close to working, very close to working. <laughs> that was just a great defensive play in the end zone. It was. I mean, it's, um, that was a really good, entertaining football game. And I know it was a high score, but uh, people like that. People like the good offense. Now, whether Washington can beat Michigan, I don't think so. Do you? I, I, yes, I, I, I think they can. Well, they. I, I said the wrong word. They can't. can't. I, no. I'll be pulling for Washington. I'll tell you that now. But I don't know if they can uh, beat uh, Michigan. Michigan's got a good defensive team. They're, um, that, that should match up a pretty good ball game, though. I think Michigan's offense, Michigan's offense is just a shade above average. Their defense is terrific. Blake Corum, their running back, is special. But they're off it. If it's... A battle of offenses. Let's face it, Michael Penix Jr., did you see him yesterday? He can make every throw. I mean, this guy is going to be a really good NFL quarterback, and it just shows you about the transfer portal because he was wasting away at the University of Indiana, who has no, who has no history in football. Obviously, we know what they've done in basketball, but... He's got three receivers that are probably all going to play in the National Football League. They have a really good running back. That is a special offense. And, yes, I think Washington is a live underdog in this game, and it is a four-and-a-half-point spread. Right now, according to the odds makers, Michigan is favored by four-and-a-half. Well, see, I, I know that Washington is capable it's kind of like you go back to the old Rams. You remember when the Rams' great offense would play a great defense? It just depends on what's clicking that day. You know, if um, if one team is just they've got a couple players that don't feel that well or whatever, you can exploit that. So, Washington is capable. Don't get me wrong. And I'm pulling for Washington. I'll tell you that now. I don't care for Michigan. Washington's never won it, probably, have they? Yes. Yes, they have. Well, they probably they, haven't won it as much as Michigan. They won a split national championship in the 90s, back when they would there would be voting and there would be split national titles. That's like Michigan. Michigan's last national championship, it was a split title with Lloyd Carr as the coach, and they split it with Nebraska that particular year. 
Washington has a national championship. Now, that game is next Monday? Yes, Monday. Monday night. January 8th. So that'd be the last collegiate football game, I guess. That'll be it. But I wasn't disappointed in either game as far as the way they, you know, sitting there watching them. Uh, I thought they were fine. You got two undefeated teams. So you're taking Washington. No, I'm rooting for Michigan. I'm rooting for Washington. If, if I had to, if I wanted to bet and bet your house, I would bet Michigan. I wouldn't bet on this game because I think that Washington can beat Michigan. Well, I'm not going to bet on it either. But I'm saying, if I had to bet, I'd I'd take Michigan. It's going to be in Houston, Texas, and six thirty on Monday. And the game will be on ESPN. I know some people from Cape that will be there. And you're, you know, the you're going you're to have to follow follow up that well, statement. The tickets. What happened was the guy got some, and I don't want to mention his name, but the guy got the tickets kind of snuck in under the radar. I think those tickets will be a couple thousand dollars a piece, wouldn't you think? He got tickets for $100 a piece. So, don't you have to go <laughs> if you love football? The tickets are probably the least expensive part of that trip. Well, <laughs> yeah. It's a, I mean, you you better, gotta, that's your vacation for the year. There you go. Yeah, if you go down there, it's going to be... Do they have uh, a rooting interest? I mean, are they Michigan or Washington fans or just college uh, yeah, football they are. fans? Yeah, they are. And um, wouldn't you say that everything down there... I think to say what, what uh, food would cost and motels... How many does that hold, Houston? 70,000? Boy, I have no idea. I don't know either. You don't have to look it up, but it will be expensive if you go down there with a couple people and single pay. Two or three people or four people and one person paying, it's going to be expensive. But it's something that that you like to do, something that's not available to everybody or something you've never done in your life. It's like Cooperstown hall of fame i've never been there and would love to go but probably never will nrg stadium in houston seats seventy two thousand two hundred twenty. Yeah, i knew it was somewhere around 70 and it will be probably more than that they may have some standing room only tickets that doesn't block somebody else's view says here that it is expandable for special events to 80,000. Well, I'd say there'd be 80,000 there then, wouldn't you? The record attendance in that stadium was for a George Strait concert in 2019. They had 80,108 people in the building. That is a lot of people. I'll be tuned into it on television. That'll be my contribution to the game. So it was built in 2002 at a cost of $352 million. 
how did you enjoy the Dallas game? Did, did How did you like the coaching at the end when they went for two? Detroit. I thought it was fine. And they actually made it, you know. But the guy I need, did I not need, report. I need a pre. <laughs> he reported. I saw the video. I the guy too. walked right over to the official. And we found out that multiple offensive linemen can report at the same time. That's what we. Let me ask here's you the thing. The yeah, NFL and the, the officials, nobody has had to face a press conference. You got a local reporter there. And he goes into the official's room and gets a statement from Brad Allen or whatever the guy's name is. And he said, number 70 reported. I just, I think he, either he's confused or he's lying. Well, I think I, they, I think they got screwed. And when they didn't make it, at least on the first one, and then you've got two other opportunities, I think I probably would have switched gears and gone for the PAT kick. I would too. Well, the bottom line is, when he was he at the three, two yards when they went for it. They, don't they put the ball at the three? Yes. Okay, they made it. They made it. But then when they get a penalty, they move back. Then you don't go on fourth down. You, I you would take, kick it. You take the extra point and go to overtime. I agree. That's the part that I'm I'm griping about. If I'm a fan of Detroit, you had it, you tried it, it worked, but then you. It didn't. You now, to... there is one report. Now, if you've ever been to a football game and you've gotten there early, both coaches have extended conversations with the referee, and normally there are at least two, sometimes three officials that will stand and talk to the head coach. One report that I saw on social media, on Twitter, said that Brad Allen, I, I, I think... I don't know why I think that's his name. The referee, the white hat, was not involved in that meeting where Dan Campbell, and this is what coaches do a lot, there's a chance we're going to run this particular play. So just giving you a heads up, don't throw a flag on us. Here, Here is what we're doing. And reportedly, and Campbell said it in his postgame press conference, they talked before the game. Now, one report I saw said the referee was not involved in that particular conversation. I saw the video. 68 and 70 both went over to the official, and that official Let me ask you a question, was looking away when 68 got over there. You know football. You've been doing it a long time. As far as officiating and everything, I'm I don't, not as up on it as you are. I understand that. But is there one official that you have to report to when you come in like that? Yeah, you've got just, to, just one. You've got to talk to the referee. Okay, so there's just one person, and he he lets the other team know who's eligible, and they say it over the PA system. He turns on his microphone like he does when he's describing a penalty, and he lets everybody know number sixty-eight it has checked in as eligible. Well, I I believe in that pregame conversation. Because uh, Dan happens. Campbell's saying, if, if it comes to this, yeah, we've got up. this play, it's a trick play, and we're throwing it to alignment. That happened to me in high school, where the coach, Leon Brinkoff, talked to the umpire before the game, and he said, I was standing there. He took me up there over there with him. He said, if the situation occurs, 
and Jess is on third base, we're probably going to steal home. But the way we're going to do it is you have to get timeout granted, right? Not person, yeah. Well, the hitter will be stepping out and not asking for timeout. But we want you to be aware of it. It's a good play. Well, I we did it. Because it happened to be on third base, and Ron Slim, he was at the plate. What happened? Went to Oklahoma State. What happened was I, I just come down towards home plate and asked Ron a question. My my hitter in the batter's box, pitcher thought there was timeout because he stepped out. Right. Took about eight or ten steps towards him. And then when everybody relaxed, I just took off and slid in home plate. Well, the umpire did. No, it called me safe. Because so, it was. So it worked. And nobody called timeout. Good. So it was a, a play that. It's a really good play. It is. Because, you know, if you're on the mound and the guy steps out and this guy on third base, a runner, starts walking towards the hitter like they're going to try to set up a play. And I remember that I was almost halfway. And, you know, you're in no man's land there when the guy's standing on the mound. All the pitcher had to do was <laughs> yeah, throw it and you're out. Just run at you. But, but it was just a total surprise. You know that's the way why it worked. But was it the winning run? I don't remember whether it was or not because it wasn't the last part of the game. It was like the fourth. Because inning. how many times have we talked about over the years that a guy calls timeout as the pitcher is going into his granted. motion and it is granted. And we're like, what is the umpire doing? Just because a guy calls time, he doesn't have to have it granted. Well, sometimes it's not granted, though. He You're right. He does not have to grant But you. you would agree it's granted more times than it's not oh, yeah, granted. Yeah, it's usually the pitcher that pays the price. Right. Because he's ready to come to the plate. And you know what? Pedro Martinez, he even said that. He threw at the hitter. If, I'm gonna, if you're going to do that, I'm going to throw at you. And, uh, hey, I believe that. <laughs> I saw you? Pedro multiple times. He just throws at the hitter. Yeah, so... With the late timeout. So anyway, to get back to my point was, yes, managers and coaches talk to a referee if they got a special play that they may use in the game. And the only reason you do that is you want the the referee or umpire to be aware that this could happen. And all he's got to do is do his officiating. And, for instance, if he would have called me out on that play... Because he didn't call timeout, he didn't. He granted. Would he have just sent you back to third? I think he would. Yeah, he just send you back third. But but that would have been a bedwetting by the umpire. Yeah, cause because he, he was there aware. was there was no timeout granted. Uh, but Leon Brinkoff, get back to him a minute. It's a smart play, man. He played for the Cubs, made it to the major leagues, a local guy, and got a back injury, and Randy Jackson. You might remember his name was third baseman for the Cubs and really good player. And so Leon was uh, hit 32 home runs in Triple A Seattle and earned his way to the majors. And ha- rumor now, was has that, it was that before Santa or after Santa? Oh, it was before Santa. Okay. And when he got injured. The way the way I was told, and he told me this, and so I'm sure that's the way it was. That he was shagging fly balls in the outfield before the game, and he jumped for a ball and came down the wrong way and, and ruptured the disc in his back. I think was, and you know back then they they couldn't do the things they do now, you know, 
modern technology. But anyway, he they was, might have been able to fix Mickey Mantle's problems. Absolutely. If Mantle played today, and he stepped, first of all, there wouldn't be a drain in the outfield to step in and no, blow your knee gosh, out. No, they they could have surgically repaired Mickey. Mantle. You know, when I played outfield, any obstruction like that, I mean, it really bothered me. Because, boy, you can just tear up an ankle, tear up a knee, you it's step hard, on a drain. It's hard to believe that they had drains in the outfield. I remember we played on a field one time that the flagpole was in, in, in the field to play. Well, back in the day, Monument Park at Yankee Stadium was in play. Well, it was Forbes Field. Look at Forbes Field. The, the light standards was in play they got in the left center field. <laughs> Broad iron. I mean, angled iron. And then in Houston... They had that the hill. flagpole with Towels Hill out there in center field with the flagpole. And believe me, if you saw Jim Edmonds make that catch in center field, you remember where he's got his back to the infield, and as soon as he hits that, that hill, he goes flat on his face? That's what you'll do. That's why it's so dangerous to have a bullpen inside the plate. How many like times did I watch a Cubs game? Where an outfielder was racing when the when, back when the bullpens were inside of the fences at Wrigley Field. Now they're they're hidden behind the wall. But how many times did you see somebody hit that mound and fall face first down? The reason why is because it's a change of elevation right. in what you're running on. When you're running at full speed, you can't have anything. I mean, you can't step in a, a little weak part of the ground. That maybe got a lot of dust in it, you know, and but there is a hole, and you step in that, you'll you'll go down. I remember one time in Perryville, I was going to first base, and there was a a big cleat mark, or a kind of a separation of the dirt. I stepped on that, and took a nose dive right into first base, about ten feet short. So it you can't have a difference. You ask any sprinter. The track is so important to them, and you know any type of uh, of uh, races and stuff like this, you know, in um, track and field, that is so important. The one, you know, the one soft spot maybe in the track, and you hit that soft spot with a full stride, it can throw you off. And um, you've seen uh, guys in Olympics or guys in uh, track and field, all at once to run along and all at once they stumble and bam, right, take a dive. And that's that's usually what that is. And um, Bush Stadium used to have the pitcher's mound, bullpen mound, inside. That old cookie cutter, they had that inside the playing field. And you see outfielders run along and hit that mound, trying to go for a foul ball, you know. They, most of them just go Is down. there a baseball stadium now that has the bullpens so. in play? I think that's it. Yeah. Now, once Wrigley re, you know, reorganize the situation and put their bullpens in the, you know, beyond the outfield fence. Is there any so, baseball field now in the big leagues that's got an unpadded uh, fence? That used to be something. Bush Stadium used to be concrete. Yes. Wrigley Field. Concrete. Wrigley Field is unpadded. Yeah, but it's got the ivy. I don't know how much that helps. I don't know. It, well, it's a it brick, helps. It's a brick wall at Wrigley Field. Yeah, it helps, though. Um, but Bush Stadium used to be concrete. Nothing on it. Man, that's uh, it was that way when I played there. So, the official in the Cowboys-Lions game... 
said number 70 reported. He didn't say that number 68 reported. Okay, that's what he said. After the game, Dan Campbell, he didn't go deep into it. He didn't want to get fined. Now, the guy's name escapes me, number 68, the offensive lineman. He did talk to the media, and he said he went over and reported to the official. That makes here's, it worse than ever. Here's my question. If you're watching the video, you see 68 go over to the referee. Was he just going over to say hi? Hi. What do you think he went over there for? What did he say to the official? Did the official blow it? I don't know because it's he said, he said. The official said 70 reported, and you can have, again, I heard some people saying only one guy can report no. No, because they talked to one of the head of the officiating crews who work television now and they go to the you know the uh, the former official and he's the expert and he gives you his opinion on a particular play and multiple players can report what in the world did 68 go over and say to the official we don't know the nfl isn't talking about it maybe he said you're doing a good job do they i mean why would he go over and now, talk to but him let's be clear i i agreed with going for two the first time whether they made it or didn't make it. I like They went the, there to win. I like the aggressive play. But, and well, go for after it. the penalty, I did not. It was like last I night. I couldn't believe it. Last night, I just did not feel good about going for two at the end of regulation for Michigan. I thought Harbaugh is just going to kick the extra point and play for overtime. But in a situation like that, Detroit and Dallas, I was 100% behind Dan Campbell going I was, for two. But last not after last the night, with Michigan to Alabama, I I thought Harbaugh made the right play, kicked the field goal, and or you know kicked the extra point, and then they muffed the kickoff. I mean, have you seen a team play as bad on special teams as Michigan last night? No, and, and somehow not, and escaped. Not and somehow escaped. Their kicker had made thirteen consecutive kicks, and he gets a forty-nine yarder and shanks it left. And then if you're Alabama, this deep into the season. Your quarterback can't snap the ball to the quarterback. I mean, twice horrid snaps. Anyway, so. But I, I could not believe in the Dallas-Detroit game. After the penalty. You kick it. One kick, extra point, you and you it, go to overtime. It, well, I mean, there was still time left. I mean, it's well, just like. Yeah, but they, I think there they was still 27 overtime. seconds left. And even had they gotten two, okay, let's say the official does not make the call and say that he didn't report. There was still 27 seconds left. I mean, Dallas could have gotten in field goal range. Well, you could always have a run back. I mean, that's a possibility. Exactly. So, so the game wasn't over. But it really probably would have been over. Yeah. But you can't say it was over because there was still time left. Anyway. Well, look what one second can do. Remember that game Texas? They put one second on the clock, and I said, oh, my goodness. If this game ends now with a completed pass, uh, <laughs> that'll be a game that's talked about oh, for years. How about the, the Chiefs and the Bills in the AFC Championship game? What were there, 13 seconds left, and somehow Mahomes gets them in the field goal range, and they beat Buffalo and go to the uh, Super Bowl? So, But one second, I, and I thought, well, you know, a lot of things can happen. You could throw a flag. What if he threw a flag on that last play, on that catch that he was out of bounds, greatly defended? Or what about the final play 
if the defender falls down with that one second, yeah. the, the, the receiver is going to make the catch and they're going to win the game. I thought, you know what? We might be watching. When they put one second back on the clock, I think they were down with six, wasn't they? Yes. I said, oh, my goodness. To clock to expire and you put one second back on, this could be a historic game now. <laughs> but if you're Washington, I mean – this is why you don't count them out against Michigan. They were underdogs in both games they against were Oregon. A lot this year. The second meeting with Oregon, they were underdogs. And they had beaten them. Yep. It was a close game. They played a ton of close games. And then they were underdogs against Texas. Now they're underdogs against Michigan. And if you win. bet against Washington, you're doing so at your own peril. Yeah. They've shown you that even when they're underdogs, they find a way. Right, I mean that's exactly. I mean they are, and they, you know, they. I hope they win against Michigan, but if I had to bet any money, I'd bet on Michigan. But I think that Washington's a team I'd like to see win. So it's going to be something to look forward to next Monday. It's funny. Now I want both of these teams to win. I have reasons well, to root for happen. Washington, and I have reasons to root for Harbaugh. I, I like Jim Harbaugh, and I expressed why. And uh, you know, I grew up a Bears fan, and he quarterbacked the Bears. And I I like I've always liked Harbaugh. He's always been a different breed of cat, very different. How about the Cardinals I, beating the Mike Reddick's Cardinals beating the Eagles? <laughs> Did anybody see that coming? I think the Eagles are about done. I think they went to, took the wrong turn myself. Yes, they. they it's were, their defense. Were, well, that's, let's face it, their defense went and won a lot of games for them. But right now, Detroit had a, a way to be number two, and by the losing to Dallas, I think they dropped the number three, and Dallas is number two seed now. Dallas still has to beat what Washington, San Francisco. San Francisco no, is the think, number one they seed. They said yesterday Detroit is dropped the third. Right, but what I'm saying, if the Cowboys want to win the East, they still have to win their final game. Oh, I don't know about that. If if they win and the Eagles win, Dallas has the tiebreaker. See, they said it before all uh, all the time that in a tie, Philadelphia had the tiebreaker. But well, it might but be they because, lost. Well, yeah, wait a minute. It might be because of divisional games. Is where Dallas would get the tiebreaker. Because the Eagles lost, they no longer own the tiebreaker with the Cowboys now. And they lost to a division team. If Dallas would somehow stumble, and they should have lost, to Detroit. So the final game is at Washington, and that'll be Ron Rivera's final game. And I like Ron Rivera. I told you I grew up a Bears fan. He was on the 85 Bears I'm, I like Ron Rivera. That's why I like Jim Harbaugh because I grew up a Bears fan, and you can find it on YouTube. The game where they're up twenty to nothing. On, I quit on Washington on the Minnesota Vikings. They end up losing, but Harbaugh audibles a play call from Mike Ditka, gets it intercepted for a pick six, and Ditka just ate him alive on the sideline, and then they would go on to lose a twenty to nothing lead and lost. To Minnesota. Anyway. Well, that's too bad. Yeah. It's a but shame. I quit on Washington when they changed their name to the Commanders. That's uh, nah, it's enough for me. 
I don't mind them changing it from the Redskins. I mean, I mean, there's just so much pressure, outside pressure. Okay, fine, you changed it. I honestly, I don't mind the Commanders name. I do. I don't like it. It's not a sports name. What about to me? What about the Cleveland Indians? What do you think of Guardians? I'm not much on that either. Yeah. What do you think of uh, Indians? They change it to Red Hawks. Now, I don't know. That's that's different to me. That's a, you know a lot of teams are named after animals. The Tigers, the Orioles are named after a bird. So I I don't have much problem with the Red uh, Red Hawks. There but, are still people that are mad about that. Well, sure, they I mean, are. Jackson hasn't trade, changed their name it's almost Jackson ni- High School. It's almost 19 years later, and there are still some people that are mad that Simo went Do you think there's been from- some, some heat put on Jackson High School somewhere along the way? Probably. You know, Jonesboro changed their name. Uh, so, I, I, you know, I, really a name shouldn't mean that much, and it really doesn't to me, but... I don't like commanders at all, and I don't like guardians. It's just. How about Freeburg High School in Freeburg, Illinois? They faced a lot of pressure over the years to change their name. They are the Freeburg Midgets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they should. There have change. been protests and pressure put on them, and Freeburg has not wavered. They are still the midgets. I still they go to change the name. Uh, that term is a little bit offensive, I think. The midgets. I think. Uh, How about Tutopolis, Illinois? The Tutopolis wooden shoes. <laughs> How about Cobden, Illinois? The Cobden <laughs> apple knockers. Yeah. I remember all those. Or how about the apple knockers were actually pretty good most of the time. How about Santa Cruz University out in California? They're the Santa Cruz banana slugs. <laughs> yeah. How about the banana slugs? Well, you know, you're getting into comedy now. I can remember we had a little softball team when I lived down in Smelterville. We didn't have we was lucky to have one ball and one bat, you know, with skid row. And our our team name was the Smelterville Mudslingers, so the Mudslingers. You you can come up with any name you want. But all right, speaking of the Freeburg midgets, you want to bring Marty into this? See what Marty has to say. Well, Marty's about not a midget, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, bring him on. Speaking of banana slugs, the Love Shack will join us. Coming back out of the timeout, the Sports Huddle. Happy New Year. It's the Sports Huddle, SEMO ESPN, 1220-93.5 FM. And, of course, you can always find us online. We're at SEMOESPN.com. Normally, it's a Monday Marty party, but because of the New Year's holiday, it is a Tuesday Love Shack Fest. And Marty Misha joins us on the EBOMD Huddle Hotline. How was your uh, holiday weekend, Marty? Oh, man, great. A lot of fun. So much good sports. And how about those two games yesterday? I know you guys already went over pretty good. I can't add much, but I got to say, they 
I have to say the committee probably probably did a good job this year with the four teams because how could you have two better games than that? And I know they had opt-outs, but I don't need to hear from Florida State anymore. You got boat raced by 60 freaking <laughs> points. I'm I'm done with Florida State. Georgia probably has the biggest complaint. When the 20 or how many games in a row they won, they lose a tight, you know, Georgia probably is the one team you're thinking would have fit in that playoff. You know, I don't think anybody else you could really say. Uh, I don't know if you guys agree with that, but, yeah, I'm well, a, I, I do. don't have. And it would be interesting. You know, next year they go to 12. And that is good in a way, but it, to me it's still too many because look about, you know, if this was next year and they already had 12, Oregon and Liberty probably would have been a first-round game. So you're probably still going to get that, you know what I mean? Right, right. When they have that couple of those group of five kind of schools, they just really can't compete nine times out of ten. Maybe on your odd year you can pull an upset, but you're not going to be able to win a national championship. And usually what's going to happen is going to happen to Liberty yesterday. Don't you agree? Yes, and the, the thing that surprised me, why didn't they expand to just eight? Just expand yeah, it to yeah, eight. I agree. It's, and George, it's all money. Marty, I, I think they're going to make so much more money. Right. Uh, and uh, I, I could even, I could even want with, you know, for years they were talking about maybe just go to six and have two, you know, two teams that have a buy. And then you go, because really, how many years can you really make a case for more than 16? Yeah, and you know, I agree with you about Georgia. Georgia possibly is on this raised Eric's eyebrows. I know Georgia might be the best team in the nation right now. I mean, they may, they may, if they were in this four team bracket, I think they they could win. They could win it all. And that, so a team like that is really hurt by only having what well, they got four. Right. So yeah. it's, uh, I agree. Here, I will say, uh, man, but that's the only team I think of. Teams playing. You, and that really, it's not like that they're fluky teams. You know, Eric was talking about how Washington just finds a way. And I really like Washington. I like their quarterback. You guys are talking about him. You know, he had a history with their coach. Their coach had been in Indiana for a year, I think, under with Penick there. And they kind of developed a relationship. And that's kind of why he went to Washington. But uh, I, 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 they were talking about, I don't know if it was last night or this morning, Washington's the only team – in like the pole era, which goes back a long way, to win 10 straight games by less than 10, po- 10 points or less. So they don't blow anybody out, but they always find in a way, like Eric said. They just win football games. Close games, underdogs, beat Oregon twice, and Oregon's really good. We saw that against Liberty. Well, Oregon probably had a case to be in. Like if you had six teams this year, you could have Alabama, you could have Georgia and Oregon. Those two teams would have been right there with anybody, don't you think? Yes. yes. And and here's the thing: I know that the national championship game on Monday will not include the SEC. But <laughs> for those people that are SEC haters and they are all over the place, there's jealousy involved in hating the SEC. Okay. Uh, those people that went nuts and said, what are you talking about? There has to be a representative from the SEC, the mighty SEC. And they were so mad that an SEC team got in because they had one loss. Let me remind you, Marty, 
13 of the last 17 national championships have come from the Southeastern Conference. The SEC has to be there because they are the best conference year in, year out. They're just the best conference. You can't go to a Final Four and not have the SEC representative. Again, 13 of the last 17 national championships in the SEC. So by that reasoning, Georgia should have been in it. Somebody from the SEC has to be there. Sorry. And I think I heard last night or this morning that uh, this will be the first national championship game since 2014, I think, that there won't be an SEC team even in it. Right. So, man, yeah, they. Uh, I agree, but if, It'll be good next year, you know, because like you say, if Mizzou has the kind of year next year they have this year, they'll be in the playoffs, so that'll be exciting. And quietly, I don't know how many people saw this, I mean, because Marty, Jess, I don't know about you, but when it gets to about December 24th until January 2nd, which is today, I lose track of the days. That that holiday thing, I, you lose track, and, and you're paying attention to this and that. But it may have gone under the radar for some, but they gave Eli Drinkwitz an extension uh, at Mizzou. And Marty, quite frankly, I think he's he's earned it. Oh, yeah, because I know they make obscene money, and you guys talk about it a lot. Even though Drinkwitz was making a lot of money for, uh, for us regular people, he was still one of the top bottom two or three paid coaches in the SEC. So I, they didn't announce the terms of it, but I think they speculate that It'll go from maybe like seven million to nine million. With nine million, it'll put up a, put him up at least the top half. I know it's like saying, "Why does he need any more money?" But I mean, it's just the fact that it's like anything. Facilities now it's more with the NIL. If you want to compete at the top level of conference, you got to put the money into it. At least you're never going to put all the money into it than like an Alabama or Georgia. You just can't do it. You can't get enough money to do it. But you at least got to be kind of in the ballpark with a lot of the teams in your conference, or it's hard to compete. Yeah, it doesn't bother me that he got more money, is because what what's this country about? It's about people making a living and moving up as well as they can. And he's a he's a guy that, like you said, wasn't making as much money as a lot of people, and, that, and that's obscene money—nine million. Now let's be sure we understand it's obscene money. But all he's got to sell is his labor. Anytime you take a check from somebody, you can be fired. And he's selling his labor. His labor is labor of love for him is coaching football. And he's a heck of a recruiter. Yeah. And so I don't uh, I think it's a good move by Missouri University. And they locked up. They paid more money to their offensive coordinator who they thought was going to leave Marty. And I'm sure that with this extension, and by the way, it will run through 2028 for Eli Drinkwitz. Marty, I, I, I'm guessing he probably negotiated more money for his coaching staff as well. A lot of coaches do that. Oh, yeah, that's what the article on the post said. That's, like I say, they didn't have all the terms of it yet, but that was part of it, too. Yeah, a lot of coaches do that. I know they really wanted to keep their offense and defense coordinates because their defense has been so really good the last couple of years. And I don't know if you saw it. Without it, We don't have to go over the whole deal. But, you know, they just released recently every schedule in the SEC, and Mizzou's got a really favorable schedule next year. So if they've got a similar kind of team next year to this year, they've got a good chance to have in the ballpark of the same record. 
And if you have in the ballpark of that same record in the SEC, you got a good chance to make the playoff. I would also say it's going to be just a little bit tougher to get Mizzou football tickets now. I mean, this is this is going to be as uh, popular as Mizzou football has been in quite a while, maybe since you know Pinkle took him to two SEC title games. Don't you go say Dan Devine there? No. They sold out their last five games. Right. They said, and I, 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 I got to think, you know, when, when you build a program like that, it doesn't matter who you play. Like, even early in the year when you play kind of those walkover games, the big, huge programs are great every year. They sell out those regardless who they play. Mizzou might be getting close to that point. Although, as we know, all it takes is a couple thousand years to get you back to not being that way. So, Marty – I don't believe for one second, even though they won, that the Chiefs are fixed. But you you play the Bengals, six freaking field goals. You have to kick six freaking field goals. Listen, Marty, the difference between teams that compete for championships and teams that don't compete for championships are teams that score touchdowns rather than have to settle for field goals. And one more piece of evidence, despite the win, that I don't think the Chiefs are going to be significant in the postseason. I'm not going to be shocked if they do make a run because they've got Patrick Mahomes. But six field goals in a game once again emphasizes the fact that their receiving core stinks. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, another huge drop. They have dropped 40 passes this year. Despite the win, I am not convinced about the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm not close to being convinced. And plus, too, as great as he's been, you know, just the age and the injury, he's banged up. Kelsey's not the same player he was. And it doesn't help your best player when nobody has to really fear the other guys that they're trying to throw the ball to. But I would never count the Chiefs out, mainly, too, because this year their defense has been so good where – if the offense does get going just a little bit more than they have been, you can see them making a run. But, uh, yeah, you wouldn't bet your money on the Chiefs right now, that's for sure. No, I wouldn't either. We're all three in the same boat. I think the Chiefs could be knocked out in the first round. Uh, I, I've well, lost they'll get confidence. a first-round home game. So I think they'll, win. they'll have a good chance to win their first round. And then, uh, you know, once you barring some – Huge upsets in other games are likely have to start going on the road. I don't have I mean, predicted look, a first round knockout. I'm just saying that it wouldn't surprise me because if you can't put up points, I, and what they have four games in a row, they didn't score a single point in the second half. You know, you can't do that. I mean, uh, going to the half, maybe leading uh, in probably two or three of those games. So I, I don't have any confidence in the receivers. I have not, never had any confidence in the receivers this year. I I get sick and tired, Marty, of and, – and now you'll pay attention to it every time you hear it. Well, so-and-so's not getting any younger. No human being on the planet is getting any younger. <laughs> but I do believe Travis Kelsey is showing signs of aging, and it's not just that he is starting to decline, as everybody does with age, but also every defense in the NFL knows – they are not scared of anyone else, and all of their focus is on Kelsey. And if somebody else beats him, you're going to have to show me that you can beat me. 
I agree with it. You're right. Everybody's going to show their age eventually. Maybe LeBron James hasn't really shown his age no. yet. That's a subject for another day. That's pretty phenomenal what he keeps doing. But, yeah, uh, especially in that sport like football where you're getting beat up so much, man. I mean, you know, to stay as great as long as you have, and he's still a great player, maybe just not quite as great, which who would be at that age and with all those all that mileage on him. And I, I'm tired of hearing he's distracted because of his relationship with Taylor yeah. Swift. So you're saying that every every other player in every other sport, their relationship can't just you know is not distracting them. But the one guy that's distracted is 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 Kelsey. That's a, that's a joke. Like he's he's not catching a pass, or he's not getting quite as open because he's thinking about her twenty four seven. It's unbelievable. I mean, <laughs> if anything, a relationship that like that, that that's a good relationship should really make it play better. Yeah, if you go, I could if you see somebody distracted because they're distraught about a broken relationship or something like that. Oh, I mean, that's, well, I think I, was, now I think that could affect you. Really. Sure. Yeah, a broken relationship. But I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm done with hearing uh, that noise. I just think that age is starting to creep in myself. And what happens when you get a little older and you're trying to compete on the same level is you lose a little bit of that fight, you know, maybe where he used to get that extra three or four yards, maybe he, you know, he doesn't have that desire or that fight because of his age is kind of creeping in. I can see that with him. But the bottom line is he would still be having a great year, especially bigger year, if somebody else on the wide receiving, they could catch the ball. If they still had Tyreek Hill. Don't you think Travis Kelsey's numbers would be up? Unbelievably good, yes. yeah. Hey, Marty, SEMO no yeah. basketball, uh, I did not expect the Red Hawk men to beat Moorhead State. I, I was, It would have been great, but uh, Moorhead State right now, and we'll see how Martin competes uh, right now. I, I just I don't think it's much of a debate Moorhead State has proven right now it's the best team in the OVC. Their 10-4 and record is their best start to a season in 40 years. And this is a team that has won 20 games three straight years, multiple NCAA tournament appearances back when Donnie Tindall was there with Kenneth Fareed. Preston, you know, their current coach, Preston Stradlin, has taken them to an NCAA tournament. And even all of those teams, no one started 10-4 and uh, at Moorhead State University. It hasn't happened since the 80s. That's a really good team the Red Hawks lost to. Yeah, I actually thought Simo played a decent, solid game, especially they hung in there for a while. Like I said, I didn't expect Simo to win. I didn't know if they could even keep it close, and it turned out to be a blowout. But I, I think Simo's getting better. I mean, Moorhead is just so solid. The way they work, you know, the way they work the ball around, they're patient. They rarely force a bad shot, uh, and they and that's doing without, you know, their best player in the league, according to the coaches and SIDs, who they hadn't even played yet this year. And that guy's just a really good coach. I think he's got a good knack for talent. Who else, two years in a row, would have an NEI transfer as one of your best players? And this year, he, he's their best player. That that Minix and. They're just a solid team. You know, I, I follow all the scores and watch a lot of those games on ESPN+. Plus. Moorhead's probably either the only or one of the few teams in the league who hasn't had one of those scores where you think what happened. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, they, four losses have all been to power conference teams, and they almost beat one of them. They're, 
they're just solid. I'll be surprised over the course of an 18-game schedule if they don't finish with the best record. Martin's got a lot of talent, too. Martin plays a totally different style. I don't know, Eric, if you've seen them play at all, but, man, they just get up and down. and Run they just and gun. Shots yeah. from all over the place. Yeah, Sometimes they... they'll wait five seconds and jack, but they're they're good because they got a lot of talent. But uh, And there's some other solid teams. But, as you know, as good as Moorhead looks and they probably win the regular season, as we all know, that doesn't mean they're going to win the tournament. But they, they are a good team. Riley Minix was just sensational in this game, you know, 34 points. He, he just – they just couldn't stop him. And it seemed like everything he threw up there went in. He also wound up with eight rebounds in that game. I so. think he was 11 for 12 at one stretch, Jess, and then we were marked on the broadcast. Oh, my God, he's missed two shots in a row at the end of the game. Well, he wound up 11 for 14 yeah. for the game, and they shot 49-point-something percent for the game as They're a just, team. So you, it's hard to win a game when a team shoots that well. And, I don't know and how. Get, they out-rebounded Simo by 10. So. Well, they are eighth in the nation in rebounding margin. They are a plus 12 rebounding team. And you they're said just, earlier they're averaging 10 three-pointers a game, yeah. I think. They, they got nine, so they're close to... They've hit more threes yeah. than any team in the OVC. They're just better than SEMO. Marty, I don't know if they're going to be better than SEMO come tournament time, but right now they're better than the Red Hawks. And, you know, hey, the Red Hawks, uh, you know, it was a five-point game early in the second half, and Moorhead State just put the, the hammer down, and they end up winning the game. Now, SEMO heads to Western Illinois, and Marty, WIU hasn't been relevant in men's basketball in a while, uh, but they look pretty good. They just won at SIU Edwardsville, who's pretty good, picked to finish high in the OVC preseason poll. Uh, the Leathernecks are 8-6. and six. This is going to be a tough game for the Redhawks. Yeah, Western Illinois actually got a solid team. I think they were pretty good last year, but their coach left, and I think most of their players left. So, had so many teams now, I think they've got a lot of new players. But uh, they, they're they they're solid. It definitely won't be easy. If you're a SEMO fan, the only thing, and Jeff mentioned it earlier, and last year they could get away with it because they had so much offensive firepower. So, last year teams shot a high percentage against SEMO, but you could get away with it. This year, it seems like every team they play shoots a good percentage in SEMO, and it's harder to get away with it because right now they just don't have that offensive firepower. It may come later in the year. It may come, you know, next year. Who knows when it will come, but you know what I mean? It, it, it's harder to – It's right now it's really tough to beat a good team if they're shooting a high percentage for SEMO. Last year they could do it. So, Marty, I'm going to end on this. We go to Western Illinois. That's my hometown, Macomb, Illinois, and they've got the greatest pizza on planet Earth, oh, the pizza God. joint there. So, Marty, uh, both both of the directors of basketball operations for SEMO sent me a text and said, hey, what's that pizza place you're always talking about uh, in Macomb? Because they wanted to find out, you know, they, they are always setting up where they're going to have their pregame dinner uh, maybe the day before or day of game or whatever. And so I let him know that. So I'm driving. Uh, Don Sean is going with me. And so we're leaving tomorrow. Okay. So I go to this pizza place's website and I wanted to see what their hours are. They're open six days a week, Marty. They're closed on Wednesdays. 
Have you ever heard of a restaurant that is closed on a Wednesday, Marty, in your lifetime? You hear, okay, some places are closed on Sunday, Monday. Who's closed on a Wednesday? Man, I believe Eric's in the pulpit here preaching, don't you, Marty? Unbelievable. That sounds like one of those Seinfeld holidays. Is it Festivus or something? Good Lord. I've never heard of Wednesday. uh, And what's bad about it, too, I kind of doubt as a pregame meal, either the teams would want to eat, you know, pizza. So they probably were wanting to go the day before when they They, get there, you know. Exactly. The the women's team, I know for a fact, that they were going to go and and eat their dinner at Gelsa Somos tomorrow night. And I just found out yesterday, just, just happened. I just want to see what the hours were, and they're closed on freaking Wednesday. Anyway, uh, I'll, still, I'll still be able to get pizza because they open at 11 o'clock on Thursday. So I'll still get my pizza, but it, I just, I, I've never heard of a place being closed Here's on Wednesday. Here's an idea. I've been on those trips like Eric, many a bus trip with the team, and after they leave the game that night, before they head back town, they always have some food get on the bus. Why right. don't they get pizza on the bus that night? Yeah, I mean, that would have been the perfect call. Anyway. Yeah, to get that to Coach Horn, man, I'm sure they haven't made arrangements yet. Anyway, so, so that's Forget the, about the game, folks. The we got that. a pizza place we have to run to. What, what else, Marty? Hey, one other thing I want to say, I was at that uh, high school tournament Saturday night, man. It's always fun to see such a big crowd at the Show Me Center, and, uh, and Central put it on uh, everybody in that tournament. They got a heck of a team again. I'm looking forward to uh, that game February 9th when Sykeston comes to Cape Central. I got to think it's going to be a massive crowd. It's going to be a massive game with a lot of attention that night. And Central will win. That'll be the game of the year in this area, or one of the games of the year. That's one of those games. Remember, Eric, real quick, a while. It's been a long time now, not real long. Remember when Sykeson and uh, Scott County were playing when they had each had one of the Porter cousins, and uh, they moved it to Show Me Center, and they sold out the Show Me Center. Remember and, that? And yeah, the game yeah was, I do. And the game was decided on a controversial baseline jumper at the end, Marty. I know. I was at that game. It was a total sellout. I mean, it was, you couldn't have packed another. Now, Central and Sykeson probably couldn't sell out to Show Me Center, but I, I bet that game could get about four or 5,000 people to it. I would agree with you. It's going to be fun. All right. Good talking to you guys. Marty, we'll talk next week. All right. See you guys. All right. The Love Shack for the first time in 2024. Jess, hello to the uh, lovely and talented Dawn Sean. She's got a few days off here. She is headed... Uh, with me to Macomb to see the Red Hawks play Western Illinois in a doubleheader on Thursday. So she's got the day off today. She is up and at him listening to the Sports Huddle. Hope she has a wonderful day. You got a final uh, final nugget? Well, as always, saying hi to my girls in Texas and uh, Tom and Jess running around here locally. Um want to say this. I want to congratulate my Central Illumina. I'm a luminous of Central. Illuminati, or whatever you want to say. Um, Illumi- they did, Illuminati? Yeah, something in that neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, either write something worth reading or do something worth writing. I agree with that. I write all the time. Some of it's not worth reading. Benjamin Franklin wrote that. You remember Benjamin? Thank you, Ben. I'd like to have a whole bunch of Benjamins. It's, a, it's an electric statement there from... Ben. 
Are they going to start making $500 bills again? Doubt it. They need to. Because a hundred dollar bill's got to where it, it doesn't work very well. You take four people out to a nice restaurant and eat. A hundred dollar bill is down payment no. on your bill. everything. Everything's digital. They're not going to start creating bills. That would be my guess. I couldn't tell you, but a hundred dollar bill is the largest you can get. I think. Now I'm talking about. I, I think may you be can, wrong. I think you could still get a thousand dollar bill. Yeah, I think you could get a five hundred or a thousand in in the past. Do you, do you have you ever seen? Robert De Niro, Charles Grodin movie, Midnight Run. Two or three times. Okay, so De Niro is a skip tracer, um, and at the end, he gets the money belt from Grodin, and it's packed with $1,000 bills, and he's at the airport. It's the final scene of the movie, and it's a great movie, Midnight Run. Yeah, it's funny. Go check it out. And he asks the cabbie, hey, you don't have change for 1000 do you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been mad at the cab driver said yes. Get out of here, you nut! And uh, and and De Niro said, "Well, guess I'm walking." <laughs> but they make thousand dollars. With all the bills, money so. he had at that point, he could just said, "Just keep the change." Yeah, exactly. Jess, we'll reconvene tomorrow. All right, all right. Stay tuned. Greeny coming up. Happy New Year, everybody.